Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Caustic Content, the podcast where two lifelong friends tried to torture one another by finding the absolute worst movie streaming on the internet. I'm Steve, and joining me as always, Myros is here. How you doing, Myros? Oh, it, it's a good day. It's been a glorious weekend, hasn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> really soaking up some quality cinema, per usual. Uh, <laughs> good God. We, we've got we've got a special episode today. So normally we have uh, a third host. We've been trying to have someone to be the tie-breaking vote. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Coleman had to uh, go into the woods to live deliberately, uh, suck the marrow out of life, as one does. So he can't join us today, but that's all right, because we are doing a very special episode. you got to have these very special episodes, something I learned from 80s and 90s sitcoms. So today we're going uh, to be diving into the cinema of Doug Phillips. Now, Myros, j- just for you know, our listeners out there, why don't you give them the rules real quick, even though we're about to kind of break them? Well, I didn't even pull them up because, uh, you know, it's uh, irrelevant for this particular celebration. Uh, yeah, we have rules though. Generally, uh, we, do you have them up? Cause I don't have them up. I'm I, I, no, I, I don't, but I know generally <laughs> we, we try not to reuse the same filmmaker. That's, that's kind of a big rule. Yeah. That we're breaking that one. Breaking, yeah, that, breaking one. that one. Um, no found footage. We didn't break the no found footage rule. What else we, we got? Didn't break that. We're, we've got uh, the third rule, really, or well, of four, is uh, the Godfrey Ho clause, which is, again, something we are... Oh, that is, you've mentioned that. You're just out of order and throwing me off. Uh, we're only allowed to use what the streaming service provides us. That's rule number one. Yeah. Uh, Didn't break that one. No, because who cares? All I needed to know was that it's Doug Phillips. And uh, the end. And the fourth is that it can't be anything either of us have previously seen. Uh, that is, we stuck to that one as well, but, uh, you know, I plan to watch you know, one of these many more times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So you might be asking yourself, who is Doug Phillips? And if you go back into the archives of caustic content, uh, you'll probably notice that we've done this once before with Mr. Steven grew. We've, we've kind of covered his, his content a little bit more in depth. And every once in a while we come across a filmmaker that, well, he's maybe not making uh, Oscar-caliber movies. He's doing something interesting. And that was certainly the case when we stumbled across Doug Phillips, uh, specifically his movie, Not Quite Lion Eyes, which uh, is yeah. one of the best, worst things that we have watched by a country mile. Doug Phillips is a Christian filmmaker, although... He's a Christian filmmaker in a kind of interesting way in that while Christian themes are kind of foregrounded and Jesus is always floating around somewhere in his movies, they're not your typical faith-based, you know, Kirk Cameron, uh, fireproof type of movies. Um, It's not just about the Jesus. He's trying to make serious cinema, but also with a Christian bend to it. And normally what Doug does and what he excels at is these kind of, I don't know, two-hour-long chamber dramas where a couple of people sit at a a kitchen table and have lengthy dialogue sessions. Uh, And, you know, he's, he's got a limited budget, so not the best actors, generally speaking. And the way the dialogue is delivered and the way that these ludicrous plot points tend to play out in some of his films just make for some unintentional, very sincere, though, hilarity. And you got to respect the man because he directs, he produces, he writes, he stars, he does the whole thing. And, oh boy, uh, he's, he's got some special stuff out there. So if you're listening right now and you don't know who Doug Phillips is, I would highly recommend going back, checking out Not Quite Lion Eyes, maybe listening to the episode that we recorded a while back, and that'll kind of give you a good primer. And we decided this week, in the absence of Mr. Coleman, 
that we would sort of jump in and explore some more of his films because we really haven't had the opportunity to see everything that Doug Phillips has to offer. You think that's a, that's a pretty good way of uh, summarizing the life and times of Mr. Phillips? Uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I, would, I would suggest that it's probably pertinent to one of these films that it seems like he must have had in a previous life uh, some sort of recording artist career. It seems to be uh, another passion of his. Yeah, it, it seems like he, he started off in his youth as a kind of like a Christian musician. And then sure. after going to college, he became like a, like a medical technician of some sort or working adjacent to the medical field doing God knows what. And that was kind of his nine to five. And then after he retired around 2012, he became a filmmaker full time. And that's why we're getting these Doug Phillip joints constantly. Uh, See, in a just society, he would have been able to pursue his passion from the get-go, and we would have, like, 40 years of glorious Doug Phillips See, that's that's just it, which is exactly why our podcasting careers need to take off so we can quit our day jobs and really just pump out garbage for the masses, uh, <laughs> you know, 9 to 5. That's what we need, 24-7, 365. But, yeah, Doug Phillips, he, he's an interesting guy because while – all of his films eventually devolve into these kitchen table dramas. He likes to kind of flex into genre work quite frequently, uh, regardless of his budget. And that's where we kind of land with the first movie that we watch for this podcast, which is titled uh, Remake. It's an original work by Doug Phillips. And... Boy, howdy, if you're interested in, like, snuff-adjacent torture porn with a Christian bend to it, Doug Phillips has got your shit right here. He's got it for you. He's, he's, he's holding it. <laughs> it's a major, major uh, segment of the audience, I'm sure. That's exactly it. It's, it's incredible because sometimes you watch something and it's hard because you, you don't always want to just say, well, who is this for? You can't just think in terms of audience. But... Doug Phillips is a filmmaker who is clearly making movies because he he's passionate about them, but also he wants this to be his career. He's trying to make films for a wider audience. So to Doug, I, I have to ask, who is this audience for? Because he's trying to simultaneously reach like horror genre fans, but also he's got this not-so-subtle Trojan horse Christian message <laughs> that he's trying to shoehorn in. And uh, it's it's oil and water. And the joy really comes from him putting the oil and water together and watching him vigorously shake the bottle, trying to get it to blend. <laughs> I, I, I would ask who it's for, but I can tell you it's for me. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah, it's it's for you and I and no one else. Maybe the listeners, this is, but <laughs> this is maybe a, the best movie we've watched for this podcast. <laughs> it's a it's a dream. It it truly is. And when we talk about like the torture porn aspects. You know, I was like, is this the first torture porn Christian film? I, I asked Myros that question off air, and he brought up that, you know, there's always the Passion of the Christ and, and Mel Gibson, God bless him. But uh, this is a, a whole nother level because it is essentially like like an early aughts horror film. This is this is hostile, uh, but again, with this Jesus bent. So correct me if I'm wrong here, Myros, but the, the general gist of what's going on here is... There is in, you know, any town USA in the Midwest, there is a gentleman who goes by the name of Twitch. Very cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a precursor. I mean, maybe the yeah. website is named after this gentleman. You know? That's yeah. Twitch TV is, is an homage to uh, the Doug Phillips film remake. <laughs> so old Twitch, how does he make his money? Great question. Uh, well, he's he's retired now. He's a former like government agent we find that out later but his his bread and butter is really making no, snuff Steve, he's, he's a local detective local he detective. was lying about working with the fbi or some shit oh wait no maybe yeah. he was authentically working with the fbi i don't fucking know <laughs> it's impossible Christ. to tell it's he has some connection to to law enforcement broadly well, he's uh, he, he's worked he worked at the Anytown usa pd as a detective and he profiled the uh, serial killers like Twitch. Ha ha. That was his yeah. cover all along. So anyways, old Twitch, he makes snuff movies and those are hard to come by. So he's, it's pretty lucrative business for him. 
Now, we know that about Twitch, but what about Doug Phillips? Well, Doug Phillips is a preacher man, uh, because you got to have your Jesus here. And he has, at some point, this is another common thing in Doug Phillips movies where they kind of like blend together, but he seems to have remarried. He like lost his wife at some point in an undisclosed way, and he has remarried to a woman. And he turns out 15 years into this second marriage that as a, uh, a plucky 19-year-old, his now wife, uh, she got to L.A., tried to be an actress, couldn't make it, and got into the porn industry. And from there, while the most lucrative kind of porn, I'm glad you asked, it's a little bit of the old snufferooski. So <laughs> she signed up for a job where she would get paid handsomely to do a single snuff film. And then uh, she could retire because part of the terms of the contract where she could she had to drop out of the public eye and and never do another movie again to kind of make it as authentic as possible. Now, Twitch normally makes actual murder films, but in this case, he just stabbed the shit out of her, it seems, uh, and and like cut her finger significantly. No, Twitch did not direct this film, Steve. Oh, this is this is not a Twitch movie. This was a uh, another snuff joint. Yes, this is a snuff joint that, by its very existence, uh, created Twitch and his obsession with snuff films. But he was also enraged by the fact that it was not authentic. It was not authentic. Okay, that makes sense. And I'm I apologize for stumbling through the plot here, but you gotta recognize this is a two hour long movie that makes very little sense. And is a little bit dulling on the old senses. So I'm, I'm doing the best that I can with, so with what, what did, I got. <laughs> did you write down the name of this snuff film, by the way? I I can only think of the uh, alternate title, which was much better. They should have gone with it. But I, I can't remember what they actually called it. But the alternate title was uh, With This Ring, I The Dead. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was good. Yeah, it wasn't. It was some other sort of weird pun involving like a finger or something. Yeah, like, I'm like, was it ring finger or something? Like shiver that? me fingers. I don't know. <laughs> it was something stupid. <laughs> it was not as yeah. good as with this ring, I'd be dead. Yeah, which is great too because we learn all of this because uh, Doug is not a fan of showing instead of telling. Doug is all about the telling. He's all about the exposition, the sit-down conversations. And we learn all of this because uh, their their daughter, well, Doug Phillips' daughter, her stepdaughter or whatever, is abducted. And when she's abducted, um, this is when the, the, the second wife reveals all this Twitch nonsense. But it's done through like a 20-minute long diatribe wherein she just talks about the porn industry ad nauseum. Holy <laughs> shit, man. And this is this is well, the, let's not oh. skip past the uh, the, the uh, finger, by the way, because that, <laughs> that's when this all kicks yeah. off. Well, they kind of figured out that she's been abducted because, well, one, she's missing and two, a package shows up with a an ominous note in it. And also their daughter's finger is is wrapped up inside of the box. And this is great, too, because. Doug Phillips takes the finger out, just grabs it with his hand, looks at it, then immediately <laughs> walks over to the sink and just rinses the fucking thing off. <laughs> Doesn't call the cops. He's like, now I got to wash this thing off. And then he's like, oh, no, it's our daughter's chastity ring. She must have been abducted. <laughs> the chastity ring. The Jesus damn chastity Christ. ring. Yeah. Wouldn't you know? That's that's how you figured it out. Uh it, it's incredible shit. Doug has some thoughts on uh, pornography. <laughs> oh, he has. This is this is a real good back and forth. Like she's trying to give him porno one hundred and one, which is also it's it's not anything. It's just like what were the antiquated paranoid notions of what a sex worker was in nineteen eighty two by some contemporary Christian maniac? So that's kind of the line that she gives old Doug, and Doug's not having it. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the entire, like his, his whole character he's, he's such a pile of shit like she's just like yeah I was 19 and I was desperate and I had to do all this stuff and I didn't know how to get out he's like you're nothing but a common whore like that's his whole thing pretty much yeah yeah I mean Doug the character is one thing but Doug the director's thoughts on porn certainly shine through in the most ludicrous way possible where we're just 
going on and on about how the Supreme Court <laughs> really botched mm. things with, with that uh, whole obscenity trial. And uh, yeah. all you, t- you know, pornography is really no different than prosecution. It should be uh, shut down except for the fact that uh, Al Capone is running it or some nonsense. Well, and, and, and yeah. then we, we, we have to get into some, some weird sidebars, too. Like, if she was just explaining her backstory, that would be one thing. But this conversation basically triples in length because she... Uh, uh, they get to this whole combo where they talk about how Doug Phillips is like, but women aren't visually stimulated by porn. Why would they want to watch it? Which is just like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's and some caveman bullshit. <laughs> And then it's great because the wife goes, no, that's not true. And you're like, okay, so tell them why it's not true. And then she says that they are emotionally stimulated <laughs> by connections. And then they get into this this discussion of, of softcore, which she also, I guess, did some softcore films and character here. And, and she's like, yes, it's where the sex is stimulated. And the man puts a sock on his wiener. And then blah, blah, it's just like explains softcore and Cinemax to Doug Phillips, who is in complete disbelief that this even exists. Uh, it is some wild shit. Like, yeah, it, and it keeps going crazy. on and on. It's about like softcore is is equated to a gateway drug and... Uh, it's the I, marijuana just, of pornography. You got to watch just out. Everyone has a fucking fireproof porn addiction. And if you watch it, you better watch yourself because it's, it's just a, a deep hill. You're a steep hill. You're going to fall right down and yeah. you, you can't get out of that porn life. But I I don't understand any of this. And again, the, the sexism stuff is just <laughs> it's all over the place here. Uh I don't know that there's a biological difference between a male and female response to pornography, personally. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, Doug really did his research here. Yeah, well, and Doug's kind of a piece of shit, too, because she... Before Doug learns about the, the you know, the porn, stabby, snuff stuff that his wife did, uh, he does know that she has some stab scars on her stomach. And the, the big sexual hang-up in their relationship is she is traumatized by these scars and won't let Doug like blow raspberries on him and he wants to blow some raspberries. So <laughs> I mean, it seems like they've been married for what, like 20 years. Wouldn't he have yeah. fucking gotten the point by, by now that she doesn't like that? <laughs> yeah. You, you would think, but it's a it's a big point of contention for them and they don't call the cops because uh, Mr. Twitch says explicitly not to call the police and he's I was like, oh, I've bugged your phone and all this stuff. And they're like, well, guess we're going to have to listen to the murderer guy and they don't really do anything about it. And then I, I love how we, we kind of go back and forth between this and old Twitch's basement where he's keeping their daughter and he's just like feeding her frozen pizza and slapping her around, uh, which doesn't, I mean, there's, there's not a lot going on there. Uh, but my favorite part is after this traumatic event, Doug works through his own sexual hangups here that decides to just kind of sleep on it. They just go to bed and say, we'll figure it out in the morning. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> the response to all this is quite amazing. But uh, I also don't want to skip past the, the point in the 20-minute uh, anti-porn screen where, where the wife declares that every sex worker fucking hates it and wants to kill themselves every day. Yeah, that's, that's it. And, yeah, yeah. Anyone who says otherwise is faking it and they're just lying to you so that you buy more porn or something. I, I don't. What yeah. an insane thing to fucking say. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, sex work is in the news a lot uh, for reasons involving some Oli fans controversy right about now. And uh, yeah, it's a discussion to be had there. But I don't. <laughs> I don't think this is the discussion to be had. It's not the discussion. I think the discussion there is Bella Thorne has like tanked the OnlyFans economy and that's making legitimate sex workers upset. But sure, sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. they, even if you have a opposition, moral opposition to sex work, I, I think that you should probably take a long, hard look at your uh, capitalist beliefs then, because it's, it's a necessity yep. for certain people. And uh, instead of exploring it in this sense where. I don't know. Everyone involved in it is uh, suicidal, uh, filled with misery and uh, drug addled. And yeah, it's just it's insane. 
It's an insane. Yeah, that's point that's of pretty view. much the gist of it. Is she's just like I was filled with pills and cum and misery. And, oh, come on, man. And also, <laughs> let's let's just say that if you would ever are tempted to watch anything that we've ever discussed on this podcast, then watch the first you know half hour of this thing because as much as this is a problematic sequence, it's also like jaw dropping and it fucking is. hilarious. Like it is. It's astounding that for the open of this movie is just it is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and, you know, part of why we do what we do is we're looking to be surprised by cinema. I want to see things that kind of break the rules and, and do things I've never seen before and make me feel ways I've never felt. And boy, Doug Phillips, he's he's not following the rules here. That's for sure. He's, he's doing something on a whole other level, the likes of which I have never seen from another filmmaker. Uh, outside of maybe Doug Phillips, not quite lion eyes, which another gem <laughs> you should check out. Very true. Holy shit. So this, this kind of continues. And at some point they figure they finally need to do something about this. So they, they kind of get over their sexual hangups and she lets him like raspberry her scars. And then at that point, there's a, an ongoing discussion about how Twitch wants her to the the wife to go and basically do a trade so he can remake, uh, you know, Shiver Me Fingers or whatever the fake snuff <laughs> film was. And so they decide at this point, even though they're not going to call the cops, it is time to break the rules. So Doug Phillips eventually decides to go rogue. And once again, our film kind of flies off the fucking rails <laughs> into into unexpected territory where Doug finds out where he is and like brings a shotgun and confronts Twitch in his little Twitch basement where he does his little snuffy stuff. And, and then things things get very wacky. Uh, he, he threatens Twitch with the gun and Twitch is like, no, if, if you shoot me, I'll press this button and your daughter will die. So you need to fight me like a man instead with knives. Oh, Cuff, you skipped over the fucking... How does he find Twitch? That's the important thing that you skipped. There, Okay, I, I need you to walk through that for me because I'm still not entirely sure how he finds Twitch exactly. I, okay. I had to rewind this like three times because I didn't quite get what he's onto here. So he has received a tip from a uh, cabbie who is not in the film uh, about someone who might help him uh, reverse engineer this tracking on his uh, walkie talkie that Twitch has given him. I, I don't know how yeah. the fuck that would possibly work, but no, it's not much of a walkie talkie. It's like a 1988 cell phone, but yeah. Yeah, so then we have, uh, he he follows this tip, and it leads him to yet another sex worker for him to berate. <laughs> this is good. It's good stuff. It's like, yes, hey, Kitty Magoo, the, if you want to talk to me, put on a robe. <laughs> right, and then the sex worker is portrayed as, uh, for no reason, in, in a movie that is two hours long, that, that could, I mean, in, in someone else's hands might be a tight 85 minutes, but... In this movie, we have to make time for the sex worker to interrupt her conversation with Doug Phillips to leave the house and take advantage of a uh, mentally challenged individual who just yeah, yeah. Uh, drives down the road, pulls up to her and hands her $400 just because she's uh, manipulated him into believing that that's... Uh, how they're supposed to interact. So, uh, well, yeah. How, how well, else is he going to paint this woman in a bad light? I mean, that's really his only opportunity to, you know, sure. he's got to get it in there. Sure. And again, this woman has no business even being in the movie because she's not the person who could solve his tech problem. She just points him to a third person who is uh, some sort of a, a conspiracy theorist type person who's sitting in a basement and uh, he meets up with her and she fixes up his uh, cell phone walkie talkie deal so that he can somehow find Twitch. But then mm -hmm. <laughs> it turns out. This person was working both sides, and she immediately uh, calls Twitch when he leaves, and yeah. she's the one who's actually set up all of Twitch's elaborate surveillance gizmos from the get-go. So she tips off Twitch that he's coming, and then Twitch 
uh, mysteriously, <laughs> again, nonsense. <laughs> he uh, uses his what he describes as a palm pilot device, I believe, uh, that allows him to control the world. Uh, he uses that to, and that's a quote from the film, not something I'm saying, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. He th- he pushes a couple buttons, and he's apparently planted uh, some C4 or something in this woman's uh, little basement cave, and so she's unceremoniously wiped out. And then Doug shows up for the big fucking... Climactic what the- fight? I wanted to say <laughs> knife fight, but no, he's fighting with a fucking rifle for no reason. Well, yeah, he's like... Because he, Church is like, knives only, bro, and... Doug Phillips counter to that is I think I'm going to stick with old Betsy but he just like instead of shooting him he just pushes it against him I guess yeah he says and he's going to use it for as a fighting stick <laughs> yeah as a fighting stick correct correct so uh, Doug loses the fight which you don't really expect but again if this is a tight 85 maybe Doug would come out on top and after that you're like well is he is he really dead and then we go we go full seven mode after this if i'm not mistaken <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wherein a box shows up at his wife's door and she has her very own what's in the box moment and wouldn't you know it's doug Dog phillips is head doug is in the box and the and the daughter with the with the chastity rig who still twitches captive at this point uh she's got a fiance I, or a long-term boyfriend? I can't. I can't tell. They they kind of dance uh, around. I believe this. they said early in the film that they are practically engaged. Betrothed. So. Yeah. yeah. I I don't I don't know. Uh, so, which would have made if we could back it up a little bit. If they were engaged, I, and then she you could have her engagement ring on the finger instead of the the chastity. I'm not going to bother with this, but you, you get what I'm getting at here. Anyways. Doug's in the box. She doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and then the boyfriend calls and he's like, it's been four days and I haven't talked to your daughter. Where is she? And <laughs> she's like, well, she can't come to the phone right now. She's kind of busy. And he's like, well, can I talk to Pastor Doug Phillips? And she's like, well, he's not exactly here either. <laughs> the head is just sitting right there. Oh, God. It's it's quite entertaining. Then at this point, she decides she's going to do the switcheroo with Twitch, and things get even more wacky and convoluted. So, Myros, walk me through this sequence, because this is another one where I'm like, what the fuck is even going on? So, I, again, this is, things get a little ropey, because again, Twitch is is portrayed generally as like this uh, almost omnipotent sort of killer. Your your jigsaw type, you know. Um, so he he tells her uh, over the phone that uh, Doug Phillips was a fool to come alone when he was trying to hunt him down, which, of course, he had previously, you know, indicated that. I mean, what if Doug Phillips had come with three people? He would have just killed his daughter, presumably, right? <laughs> yeah, I would assume. So, yeah, she gets this uh, great idea. I mean, they had days to plan, which a very strange pacing to the second act of this thing where they know that (laughs) the daughter is in in mortal peril. They just kind of like sit around the house fucking. And uh, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of chill, a lot of chill in this movie. Yeah, they got a a renewed sexual appetite in their marriage from this event for some reason. Yeah, Um, once once the uh, the raspberry barrier was lifted on her tummy, that it was all over, (laughs) that his his sexual appetite became insatiable. Uh, yeah, probably not how I'd react to this situation, but I guess you never know until you're, you're in it, right? Um, sure, sure. But yeah, so she she decides her grand plan uh, is that she's going to call the fiance and have him meet her uh, as she goes to uh, do the exchange with Twitch. Uh, so she shows up to the, the Twitch den and... Uh, he basically is, he's like going through the motions, you know, do this exchange. We're going to have her exit this door. You enter this door. It'll lock behind Mm -hmm. both of you. Uh, then the daughter just attacks him because she realizes that he's, uh, shown her his face. So thereby he must have no intention of actually following through with this, uh, deal, which, yeah, uh, that seemed obvious. Right. But 
from there it kind of goes haywire like he just kills her <laughs> like twitch uh kills the fiance uh i don't know why that is in the movie but there you go um seems like needless tragedy that's not explored in any way but um yeah so the fiance dies uh because he rushes in and twitch just stabs him and he also stabs the uh mother but she does mm-hmm. not die, and well, and, and Twitch is uh, he's he's quite the he's quite the fighter too, considering how he looks. He's a pretty slovenly man. Not that yeah, I have any room to talk, so. but he looks like a like a, a a basement dwelling like chubby IT support guy who and smells like, like Swiss cheese. Yeah, and he's he's definitely. He's he's up there in age. He's he's a fucking boomer. There's no way. But he- Twitch is a character worth exploring in, in more depth, I suppose, because he also seems to have a stationary base, which is probably not uh, ideal for his his setup. Considering uh, he seems to be kidnapping a, a just an enormous quantity of women. I think he's got simultaneously three to four women during this film yeah. in his yeah. his den. So he he must be churning out these snuff films twice a week, you know, three, four times a week, it seems like almost. And, and I don't think you can yeah. operate as a serial killer in, in a single locale, just uh, taking out four people a week. Well, and on top of that, they try to humanize him a little bit because his, his thing is, is like, oh, he's retired and he just sits around his house, like taking care of his mentally handicapped sister or something. No, I think it's his daughter, Shotzi. His daughter, Shotzi. Yeah, there we go, Shotzi, old Shotzi. And so he's he's looked at as this like compassionate guy who also just happens to do snuff films. And I don't know if that's meant to be like shocking or something, but it doesn't really add anything. You're just like, what the fuck? And right, it might add something yeah. if we if we didn't know that he was Twitch until later in the film or something. But it, that's it's never any grand mystery what's going at. Um, no. So yeah, he is a he's a good knife fighter. What the fuck ever is going on here? But he is I don't even remember who I think the daughter kills him in like the most ridiculous possible way. Like yeah. for some reason he has a small knife, like maybe a steak knife, we'll say, suspended by a piece of twine that is tied to a brick on the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his plans were for this. But uh, it, it's set up in his den. Somehow, maybe that was to, to be uh, employed in the remake of this classic film. Um, so this twine gets cut and the knife, again, small knife. Uh, there's no weight attached to it. It's just hanging from a piece of string. Uh, it falls and kills him. Uh, it seems yeah. to stab him in the back. So he's, he doesn't die immediately. He's got oh, no. He can give his dying monologue where he's trying to... Those convince. dying monologues are like twenty minutes long, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's trying to convince the the mother to erase this data so that she's not exposed as being alive, so the uh, mob snuff producers don't try and come kill her. But uh, she realizes that he's he's also just kind of trying to cover his own ass, and uh, yeah, that information needs to go to the the previous victims' families and blah blah blah. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that just goes on and on. And on and on. And I think she tries to get him to accept Christ into his heart. And he's like, yeah, nah, I'm good. Nah, it's going to pass on that one. I, I like I do like the fight sequence, though, because it's everything is just in super slow motion. And it, it seems like like Twitch, again, is played by this old man. He looks like you ever watched the, the show Pawn Stars? Oh, I've seen it. Sure. Yeah, so there's like there's like yeah, he the looks like the old chumly, man, right? the bald guy. Yeah, he looks like the old man, the 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 dad character, the old man from Pawn Stars. That's that's kind of your frame of reference here. And he's just lumbering around, and then during the fight sequence, the mom at one point picks up like this plastic chair, and then like tries to swing it at him, and then he takes it and just like pins her to the wall with it, but not in a very effective way. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, she just falls to the ground. <laughs> it's some, uh, it's some great A stuff, man. It's just, just classic all the way through. Absolutely classic. But this is, uh, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a real banger for a Doug Phillips film. And also in classic Doug Phillips fashion, 
even after the killer dies, there's this extended coda sequence with the police and witness protection and all this stuff. And you're just like, why, why are you attacking all of this? This doesn't need to be here. What are you adding to this? I don't, I don't give a fuck about any of this, but it's Doug Phillips. You just got to roll with it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even remember. She like turns down a bunch of money and then the cops like, but because we're cops and the good guys, we've also given you this uh, bag full of cash. So uh, I guess your life's all right. That's that's all right. Yeah, I I got I got nothing for this one, man. It is absolutely wild. So again, if this sounds even remotely interesting to you, and it should because it is, watch Not Quite Lion Eyes and remake, and just bask in the glory of Doug Phillips. And this is it's just it's so weird as a faith based film. And I guess Doug said that like part of his inspiration for this, I read an interview with him was. He was he was trying to make a film for man so that they can, you know, lead a life towards God instead of making a film for God uh, that also happens to appeal to man, as many other Christian filmmakers do. So I guess he's on to something with that. But at the same time, this isn't a good slasher film or torture board film by any stretch. And it kind of waffles on the Christian stuff, too, because people are being, like, brutally murdered. There's a whole sequence where old Twitch is doing a snuff film, but he just, like, dresses up like an Al-Qaeda guy and, like, slits her throat. (laughs) I don't Uh, think he could show that in Sunday school. So it's it's an odd combination, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, it's glorious. I uh, I also I mean I talked about his his thoughts on pornography, but I like his conception of snuff films too. He might as well have been talking about like Satanism while he's at it because yeah. snuff films do not exist, people. <laughs> this is not a thing. It's not there a is thing. no snuff industry uh, run by the mafia. There, there, this is not this is not a legitimate thing. I mean, there there are certainly videos of people dying, but there's no snuff trade. It's, it's it's a debunked thing that people believed in the 80s for no fucking reason. Yeah, I, I kind of like the 80s conspiracy theories better because, you know, we're entering into the new age of right wing conspiracy, moralistic nut jobs uh, with, you know, the whole QAnon thing and whatnot. Uh, but in the 80s, it was way cooler because they thought that there was like cabals of satanic child molesters <laughs> that just hung out in each other's houses which they still think but now they hang out in like pizza places which is like come on that's not as cool and they they seem to have removed a lot of the satanism from it which again not as fun and then the whole snuff thing was that was a big thing in the 80s too with the rise of of uh home video that oh no now people are going to distribute real snuff films yeah oh. faces of death <laughs> the real yeah, faces snuff. of fucking death the real stuff yeah i know uh, yeah, it's it's just fucking hilarious to me because the people that believe this shit, it's like, yeah, you know, you're you're onto something, but then you take it in, in a totally wrong direction, you know? It's just like bringing home a steak from the butcher and you're like, man, this is a great steak. I think I'm going to boil it for six hours. Like, why would you do that? Why? Why? It's the same thing with this. It's just like, man, there's uh, there's issues with human trafficking in the sex trade. Yes, that's correct. And it's all being done by John Podesta in the basement of a DC <laughs> pizza establishment. No, 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 no. You're totally, you're missing it here. Totally missing it. And Donald Trump is going to stop it. No, no, no. That's not going to happen either. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess you could say as a society, we've certainly failed to progress since that era in many ways. But uh, w- one thing that we have seemed to uh, move forward on is is that at the very least, uh, no one is getting like fucking falsely prosecuted for Pizzagate nonsense, which all of this bullshit, uh, certainly many, many people were wrongfully imprisoned and accused of horrible fucking things because of this nonsense set of conspiracy beliefs oh yeah exactly yeah but i think that's yeah that is the major difference is it's not like anybody's uh handcuffed john podesta in the basement of comet pizza it's like no a bunch of people in the 80s like just random people in in midwestern towns were just randomly fucking arrested and thrown in jail <laughs> what's that uh that documentary the jaundiced eye is that is that the one where these people it's just like oh yeah in the 80s my kids were hanging out with these other kids, and then I got thrown in jail for 25 years because 
child yeah, molesting yeah. Satan cults. Uh, Great. Uh, Fucking uh, awesome. Capturing the Freedmans is another one, right? Yeah. That's another one, yep. Yeah. That's it's like, oh, these people are shit. pretty weird. We better fucking throw them in prison as sex criminals. It's like, what? <laughs> yep. It's like, yeah, well, we ha- hypnotized your four-year-old kid and they said that you, you diddled him or something. It's like, all of what? this is, is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's shit. But we got Doug Phillips, so that's good. Uh, yeah, so this is, I wouldn't call it early Doug Phillips, but remake is kind of mid period. This one was from around, I believe 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I think it's the earliest that we've seen. Mm hmm. The yeah, earliest that quite, Amazon has available. Uh, yeah. Uh, not quite lion eyes was around the same time. I, yeah, believe. I think there are two features prior to this that are not available online. Unfortunately. Uh, one one day we're going to find him. And hopefully, you know, if you're a, a Blu-ray distributor out there, Doug Phillips box set, make it happen. We need it. We need it. That's what we need to do. We're just going to get into the cost of content uh, distribution game and just put out a giant Doug Phillips box set that no one will buy. Uh, <laughs> now, once we get into the later period, Doug Phillips, this becomes interesting. So around 2012 is when he retired and became a filmmaker full time. And I almost want to say the hurried Spartan aesthetic of early to mid-career Doug Phillips is preferable because once we get into this later period, there's still the Doug Phillips magic, but uh, we're, we're running into some issues. See, I got a theory here. You got a theory? Uh, go, go ahead. I bet you, while he was working and not a full-time filmmaker, that he was just fucking... He was writing scripts, man. He he had some mm-hmm. ideas that he needed to express. So I, I feel like these first will say, we have not seen Lightning Strikes twice, but uh, I, uh, we're going to see Lightning Strikes twice. And I could tell you just from the trailer that it is it is prime madness, Doug Phillips. So I'm going to guess that his first five films are really like stuff that he had. He had this stuff building up for 40 years. It was just boiling in his brain, and it, he mm-hmm. was he was writing these scripts. He had them squirreled away in the filing cabinet. And then once you get past that into the stuff we're talking about now, which is there was a there was a good break in there between Lightning Strikes Twice and uh, Docile Pink Planet. There's a four year break. I bet you that's when he ran out of these old scripts, and he was just kind of like, "Well, what now?" Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's what he's doing is he's kind of you, you get the feeling that he's working out of an artistic obligation almost as opposed to like a, a desire and a need to really, truly express himself. And that's when we get into the later period. So uh, things like docile Pink Planet and and weightier matters. And I guess we could talk about docile Pink Planet a little bit. There's there's not a ton to it. It is ostensibly supposed to be a like a satirical farce of 50s sci-fi movies you know like attack of the giant crab man and you know space robots from the red planet mars and just shit like that it even goes as far as to start the movie with several trailers from what i mean what i assume are public domain trailers for these like 50 sci-fi movies just to kind of like set the tone but then when we get into the movie itself classic doug phillips it's not a satire of anything it's just a doug phillips movie with some vague sci-fi elements and then he throws a pink filter over the lens for whenever we're on the uh the docile pink planet that they traveled to right which is mars it's yeah it's it's kind of mars but mars is really just a parallel universe to earth it gets into some real like christopher nolan fucking interstellar bullshit where they sit around and just talk about the science of why you know oh you thought this was going to be a normal doug phillips movie but in fact we're on a different planet and it's a doug phillips movie on mars now and here's why and this is why there's doppelgangers of everyone it's like what the fuck it's but it, it just again it's just classic everybody's sitting around in doug phillips living room talking about bullshit because that's that's all that they do um right and, and doug phillips living room is really the star there's two stars, well, three stars you can count on in every Doug Phillips movie. There's Doug Phillips himself. There's Doug Phillips' basement, 
which is used in Remake and Weightier Matters, and I think a little bit in Pink Planet. And then the real star, though, is Doug Phillips' living room, because this man has not cleaned his carpet in about 40 years. It is, I, I couldn't turn away from it. it. There's just like giant, what I assume are mud spots just all over the fucking place. <laughs> and he's got like 90 rugs, but they're all those like little rugs that you use, like the ones that are like three feet by five feet that you use as just like entryway rugs, but they're just strewn about his house in random places. And they're clearly not keeping the mud off the floor. Uh, it's, but yeah, Pink Planet, it never really goes anywhere. It it just kind of plays with this doppelganger thing, and and you you get some of the magic in the dialogue, but there's not a ton to the story, at least that's comprehensible. Well, the problem is the tone on it because it, it's trying to be like kitschy. It's like half comedy, and it's just like holy shit, dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them laughing at themselves too. Which come on, like. If you're going to do this, at least play it straight and let us find the jokes. You don't have to turn to the camera and wink at us every three seconds. But I I, I don't know. And there's some references to older sci-fi, and I guess that counts as a joke in Doug's mind, or that's what makes it satire. But none of it really gels. And I think for something like this to work, yeah, it's fun to have those references in there, but also the film should kind of stand alone and just be entertaining in its own right. And I, I don't think it hits either note, honestly. It's just yeah, kind of shit. It's, it's, it's not a particularly exciting film, uh, as we'll find with the, the next one as well, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose the madness really comes into play at the very end of this thing. You, you kind of finally figure out what the fuck was, was sticking in his craw this time around, because that seems to be the impetus for... When he makes a film, yeah. he's like, well, I saw something on the news and got enraged Time to make a movie about it, which oh, this yeah. time was about, uh, the, the, you know, NASA's abandoning the space exploration. Doug is not happy with this decision. No, no. And Doug strikes me as a big time Trump guy, too. So I bet that one really rubbed him the wrong way. So I don't know. This movie is pretty overtly anti-capitalist uh, in its way. But it's also like Doug Phillips, I, I, if I were to characterize his politics based on the content of his films, I would describe him as sort of the opposite of what most people say, where uh, most uh, shitheel Republicans uh, who are, are trying to pretend that they're better than they are will say that they are, uh, they're morally liberal but fiscally conservative. I would mm -hmm. describe Doug and his insane... Again, this movie features like a 15-minute uh, screed about uh, the Federal Reserve, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I think I would describe... I would, I would posit that Doug would describe his, himself as uh, fiscally liberal and uh, morally conservative. <laughs> oh, so he's like a weird, like, moralistic lib over here? I, I don't even know what Doug is. Doug is... Yeah, like one, Catholic, waters. like one of them Catholic libs that are popular. Trad Cath lib. Yeah. That's got to be it. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. He's an uh, interesting cat, to say the least. But this one, it's funny, too, because Pink Planet is only about 90 minutes long, whereas Doug is known for his two-hour runtimes for everything. Excessive runtime. So... It is interesting to me that this one's a little trimmer, but also it feels like the material's never been thinner before. He doesn't he's not working with a lot, so it's 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 a rough go. Right, yeah. It, it's just that end coda where he's going on this like rant. Again, it does start with that sort of Federal Reserve stuff, and then the end the plot of this thing is about how the Martians are planning to uh, influence our politics. It, it, it's just running down this whole like series of, because this movie takes place in 1961, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it essentially ends with this uh, Martian running down like events that have taken place over the last 50 years through, through a very specific filter uh, mm -hmm. and talking about how it's, it's some sort of like, external influence on 
events that have caused things to go a certain way so that we'd be unprepared for an inevitable invasion, uh, mm-hmm. which is sure fictionalized, but it, but it also it kind of belies that this certain sort of, again, very much 1960s hippie, uh, you know, things have gone downhill since then. And this is how, this is what we had the chance to make things right. But, uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's got a very sort of Vietnam bullshit uh, protest uh, aesthetic to it. Uh, in, I don't know. I feel like Doug is 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 doing some Hunter S. Thompson bullshit at times here, but it's uh, not entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Give it too much credit. He almost has like a like a Neil Breen esque approach to politics, where you could tell there's like a deeply conservative bent to him, but also he's very mad at the like higher economic and systemic issues that he doesn't agree with. And much like Neil Breen, who famously in Fateful Findings and a couple of his other movies, his favorite thing to do is to just give an extended monologue at the end of the movie that just kind of lays politics bare and just <laughs> can basically tell you exactly how he feels. And, yeah. and Doug does that too. Right. And then it ends with this, uh, this like, text a wall of text is the end of this thing which is quotes from jfk and eisenhower and uh then there's an unattributed uh quote just talking about fucking nasa so i don't know fucking weird oh fucking knows yeah that is odd uh well and then the the other movie that we watch here too is it feels again like Doug was just watching TV and decided to make a movie like this is not one that was half baked or even a quarter baked. But uh, the the other film that we watch and the, the one that I chose specifically because I thought it would be a fucking train wreck is a little joint called Weightier Matters, which I believe is his newest film. It released at the very end of 2019. And Weightier Matters is just it's basically Doug Phillips presents American Idol, but also he wants to talk about his sexual hangups more and why he hates sex workers. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of moralizing, but Weightier Matters is, it, it kind of plays into one of Doug's favorite things, which is throughout Doug Phillips movies, you will notice that there is like contemporary Christian soft rock guitar music playing over every scene, regardless of what's going on in that scene. So remakes a great example. It's like, Oh, found your daughter's finger cut off in a box. Let's play some like jars of clay, you know, that type of shit (laughs) or, and it's just, it's just layered over everything and it doesn't, it seems completely disconnected. There's, there's this huge dissonance between the music that you're hearing and what's going on in the scene and what kind of emotion is they're trying to convey. None of it links up. So Doug said, well, instead of just playing this music over, I have these musicians. Why don't I just make a movie about them? It'll kind of streamline the whole process. And that's what we get is it's American Idol and one of the contestants is a pregnant woman who is estranged from her boyfriend because he's abusive. And there's three judges. Uh, one of the one of them is like a, a alcoholic woman who is addicted to sex, and the other one is Doug Phillips who is also addicted to sex in a weird way, but is <laughs> just kind of an asshole. He's like Simon Cowell, but banging hookers constantly to. I don't know, deal with the grief of the loss of his wife. So it, it hits the major Doug Phillips notes, which is sex is bad. I miss my wife and music everywhere. But this is expressed in a way that is just anti-cinematic in every way, shape and form, because about a third of this movie, at least a third of this movie is full length musical performances by these contestants on fake Doug Phillips, American Idol, which is filmed in Doug Phillips basement poorly. So really, if you're going to get anything out of this movie, and there's a few nuggets to be mined, but if you're going to get anything, you got to ask yourself, how much do you enjoy watching a woman strumming on a guitar, singing about Jesus in front of a black curtain in some old guy's (laughs) basement? And I don't know if that's something that a lot of people are into. No, no. I, I mean, Doug himself even lampshades very early that it's a, it's an awfully narrow uh, genre there you're dealing in. I'm like, yeah, yeah. As someone watching this, I sure don't give a shit to listen to this type of music ever. Yeah. 
Um, no. But yeah, I I don't know. I feel like his the stuff that is, does not involve the singing competition, which is not much. This movie he makes some insane choices. Like you know, if even if I'm going to sit down and watch an episode of American Idol, which I'm fucking not. Uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to edit these songs down. Essentially. They're going to have these people sing like uh, 90 seconds of a song or something. Uh, this is full album cuts over and over again. I, th- I think it had, so we have four, three, two. So yeah, 10 songs. No, 11. Cause Doug sings at the end. Uh, so 11, probably album length songs, uh, playing during this thing. And and it's it's not oh playing over top of anything. It's just you're watching these people sing. Uh yeah. no, thank you. But yeah, even the stuff that involves Doug, which is is where the meat of this thing is, it's kind of a rehash, I would say. Like the character mm-hmm. is very similar to his character in, in Not Quite Lion Eyes. Uh a very similar yep. arc. Uh yeah, I I don't. It doesn't do a ton for me. I mean, it's still no. it's still Doug Phillips when he's on screen and doing insane bullshit, like uh, I don't know, pinning a woman against the wall and and telling her she's gonna marry him no matter what, essentially. And it, yeah, I don't know what the fuck he's he's really trying to say about this character. Like the guy seems to be like a family man with a great relationship with his daughter, and then when his wife dies, suddenly he's like a cretinous oaf who is just throwing money at women to get whatever the hell he wants, even though he seems to have no particular uh use for human contact or uh sex or anything of that nature he, he, mm-hmm. there's no point where he's expressing any sort of like emptiness or longing he's he's just an asshole and it it's portrayed that he was he did not live his life as an asshole until his wife died when he was like what 70 years old so why all of a sudden has he become a uh a trump-esque figure <laughs> which is it's great too because doug goes full method for this stuff because when they do the flashback sequences he has this like shoulder length old man hair where he's bald on top but he's got like a christopher lloyd thing going <laughs> where it's just the doc brown hair and then they you know, the rest of the movie, he's shown with short, like kind of a close crop, standard old man, bald guy haircut. And and they actually show him cutting off his hair. So it's like he grew out his hair for six months just to <laughs> shoot this scene. Uh, I, I guess if you're going to say one positive thing about weightier matters is you can there's like a through line that you can follow of thematically what he's trying to do, which is at one point the Doug Phillips shithead character finds salvation by reading a passage from the Bible, the the Zacchaeus story about the, the fat loser jerk face who climbs up a tree and then Jesus gives him a high five. And very strange choice for a, a Damascus moment. I, I guess the, the general theme here is people aren't always who you think they are. And there's always opportunities for salvation. So the foil to his character, Doug Phillips' character, is this woman judge named Princess who seems very nice, but in her personal life, she is, in fact, an alcoholic, and uh, she gets drunk and calls too many male hookers over. And it's a whole real, you know, comedy of manners going on there. It's hilarious stuff. It's not. Uh, and turns out she's actually kind of a dickhead in real life, too, on top of that, and she never sees the error of her ways that is ultimately undone and removed from the show, whereas Doug Phillips is a dickhead and uses that for career advancement, but then at some point decides that being a good person is better. Uh, and so it's there. It sucks. It's not I, good. I but guess. It's there. I, just, I, I gotta say, <laughs> I'm, I'm I don't grasping. understand. I'm trying to find something. <laughs> I don't understand his character's arc at all. It's because he, when he takes this Simon Cowell job, he, after his wife dies, he explicitly says, I don't need the money. You know, I'm doing you a favor. I just like to work. I like to get out of the house because, you know, presumably he's, he's missing his wife. He doesn't want to sit around the house yeah. alone. But I don't I don't understand what he's going to turn himself into this monster figure for something he doesn't need in his life. I, it's just a very strange. And then the 
the the Zacchaeus thing again. Not not a story that's really a, a huge uh, redemption story in the Bible. I guess. It, it, I mean, sure, he gives his wealth away, which Doug Phillips doesn't really do in this. But uh, no. yeah. It's really sudden. That happens, what, probably 90% of the way through the runtime of this thing? He just sits down in a hotel room and reads a Bible, and then, uh, ta-da, he's, uh, he's back to being a normal guy? I, I don't know. It's a... It is... It, it's an arc. It's truncated as all hell because the whole movie is just people yeah. singing songs. Yeah, the only real joy you get out of this is the very end when Doug Phillips decides that now that he's a new changed man he comes back to the show he goes on the doug phillips american idol and decides to perform a doug phillips original composition which we learn is actually a song that was recorded by doug phillips in the early 1980s so it's crazy because while all the other live performances i mean they're, they're obviously not shot live but they're they sound contemporary doug is like lip syncing to this crackly ass like 1980s recording <laughs> where yeah i'm like he sounds I, i'm like whoever they got to dub him sounds like fucking roy orbison or something and yeah no it's doug phillips from 1981 doug phillips yeah it's and that's amusing for about two seconds uh, the only other amusing thing from the painful to watch musical performances is for i don't know three-fourths of the song or songs that are performed they show the lyrics on the screen and at one point this is actually called out in the film where they're like yeah and then we have to submit the lyrics so that they can put them on the screen which is just weird it's a weird choice for your movie it's a weird choice for your fictional american idol show but it's also wholly inconsistent because while three-fourths of the songs have the lyrics on the screen so you could sing along at home the other four they, they just don't do it and without explanation it's it's fucking zany man oh i had subtitles on so they yeah, <laughs> So kind of blended together for you. That's good. Yeah. Overall, though, these these later Doug Phillip joints, they just they lack the magic. But we still love our boy Doug. There's two things I want to talk about before we wrap uh, weightier matters. Uh, thing one, and perhaps the most hilarious uh, choice in this entire film is there's this running um, running plot in the film is that the pregnant singer. Uh, she has a uh, an insidious ex who is trying to get her to win the competition so that he can uh, take the money or something. Yeah, and he's like 80 years old. Yeah, when this guy shows up <laughs> at the end of the film, what the fuck? <laughs> what kind of casting call do we have here, Doug? This is like uh, an attractive like 24-year-old woman, and the guy who plays the boyfriend is like fucking, he looks deranged. He's like yeah. 55 <laughs> years old. A hideous yeah. man. And it's just like, what? Why Couldn't you just get a regular human to play the boyfriend? <laughs> nope. Not going to get one of those. Yeah, he looks he looks kind of like Twitch. It's not Twitch because Twitch plays another character in this movie from, you know, from remake. Uh, but I, I don't know who this guy is in, in Doug's, you know, his usual cast of, of Doug Phillips players. This guy is completely miscast to the point where you're just like, what? What? I, these how is this possible? He just, he looks like an absolute fucking troll man and he's extremely old. It's, it's very upsetting. All of it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And, and lastly, I just want to talk about the title. Like what, why is this called Wade Year Matters? Is it because Doug is like gotten a little heavier over the years? He seems to call it out <laughs> quite prominently in this film. He's, he's also, his character plays someone who is, explicitly into the uh the thick women if you will <laughs> yeah he does say that several times yeah I, I i i feel like it's a pun like he's intentionally chosen to highlight weight in the title and uh it's not a thematic choice it's just very strange <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't understand i don't understand but you can't always understand doug sometimes you just got to ride on his wavelength man and that's what we do here so i guess with that we'll we'll kind of wrap things up but uh doug we love you you're wonderful you are a cinematic angel sent from heaven and we appreciate everything you do uh if you're listening to this podcast right now do us a big favor if you look at the description for this podcast there's gonna be a link to our itunes page if you just tap that link or click that link 
That'll take you to that iTunes page. And what you can do to help us is you can leave us a five-star written review. Now, why is that important? Great question. Uh, The star review is good, but the written part is essential because that is what plays into the maddening uh, Apple podcast algorithm that decides what is valuable content and what is not. So we want to keep making this show. We want to make more of this show. And the only way we can do that is to get more listeners. And you can help. You, dear listener, can do that job for us. So if you haven't had a chance to yet and you're listening now, please... Real quick, take you two seconds, just say caustic content is great, Doug Phillips is God, whatever. We'd love we'd love that from you. Five stars, please. In addition to that, there's a link to our Patreon page. Um, if you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, we're going to have some bonus content for you. We have the entire Optimism Vaccine backlog going back years and years and years is on there. Uh, in addition to some special Patreon stuff that we have cooking for you, there's it's it's real easy. It's like three bucks to get the subscriber feed. Please help us out if you got a little extra cash. I know times are tough, uh, but if if you got it, help us out. We'd really appreciate it sincerely. In addition to that, uh, yeah, if if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals. You can email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. This podcast is part of the Optimism Vaccine Network, so you can check out the Optimism Vaccine podcast if you want to hear some inane ramblings about movies you've maybe watched before. Um, you can email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, at optimismvaccine, and I think that's uh, that's pretty much everything. Anything else to add here, Myros? Uh, no. I mean, if you're going to do one thing based on this podcast... Uh... I mean, of course, we want you to leave reviews, but first and foremost, uh, go watch Remake. Just do it. Do it. Watch Remake. Watch uh, Not Quite Lion Eyes. I mean, Doug is way more important than we are. Doug, hit us up, baby. Shoot us an email. Let's talk, man. I'd love to do an interview. (laughs) All right. That wraps things up. We'll see you next time.